wrongful convictions are surprisingly prominent in today's society, and the farther we go back, the more they happen. These convictions put innocent people behind bars and let the real criminals run loose. This is True Crime Intensified with Dallas. Today, we have a case coming from Boston, Massachusetts back in 2012 in the small county of Suffolk with just 700,000 people. Topher Hamilton, a 32-year-old Hispanic man, and his girlfriend Jacqueline Grant got into an altercation one day after work. Grant had been suspicious of Hamilton cheating on her with another woman and confronted him. Talking was not enough, and Grant grabbed a knife and ran for his abdomen, trying to stab him. He grabbed her arms, trying to push her away until they were wrestling, falling to the ground in a power struggle. Hamilton finally knocked the knife out of Grant's hand, but before they knew it, she was dripping blood from her neck. Hamilton was convicted of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon as well as witness intimidation of his sister-in-law, Fenime Eden Grant, and her daughter Naomi with no forensic evidence present. Hamilton tried to plead self-defense from his abusive girlfriend, but the judge failed to inform the jury of what self-defense is, making them only have one option, assault. Self-defense evidence was not able to be presented during court proceedings, giving Hamilton an unfair trial and violating his Sixth Amendment. The witness intimidation charge was so out of the blue, not having any evidence for this to be presented. Hamilton was sentenced to five years in prison and served four out of those five years behind bars, paying the price for a crime he did not commit until 2016. According to Fenime, Grant even went as far as to domestically abuse Hamilton previously. He said, You done beat me last night. You got my face scratched up and you bust my mouth. The evidence was not used in the courtroom. Only Grant's neck wound was. Hamilton had been reported to have a box cutter down at his side when Grant was running at him, but never used it on her. What is interesting is that the box cutter that was reported was never picked up by the police and never to be seen again as well as the knife that Grant had. The whole case was not taken seriously and first responders only aided Grant. Both witnesses had different views of what happened with the box cutter, but both of them said Hamilton did not put it anywhere near her neck. All evidence must be collected from the crime scene and placed into supervision to keep the chain of custody alive, which makes evidence viable and not tampered with. With no DNA taken, no evidence placed into custody, no bodily exams, the evidence was invalidated. Grant repeatedly told Hamilton to hit her, but he kept saying, no, I'm not going to hit you. Hamilton never intimidated her and tried to keep to himself for as long as possible while Grant was pulling at him. We want to also mention Suffolk County's atmosphere. Unfortunately, we all know that racism is a huge problem in the judicial system and has not changed much. In a small town upstate, we tend to see a lot of the same people. Upwards of 60% of the population is Caucasian, which excludes other like, others like Irish and Scottish who are as well white. Only 1.18% of the population is Hispanic like Hamilton himself. The quote, the judge should have given the jury a lesson on self-defense was listed in the case description. A judge purposefully decided not to educate the jury on self-defense, which could have saved Hamilton a prison sentence. Why did, she, did the judge leave that information out? Did they have a stereotyped agenda in their mind that had already been made up? What do we do about these judges, juries, and police? How can we stop wrongful convictions at the source? We have... 2,705 exonerations since 1989 and counting. This adds up to 24,000 years lost in innocent people's lives. I want all of my listeners to forward, share, or tweet out a link to the podcast. Spread the word. Let the story be known. He is not the only one.
But on May 16, 2016, Hamilton was released and the Massachusetts Courts of Appeals remade the court. The witness intimidation charges were dropped for insufficient evidence and the assault and battery charges were brought back up and Hamilton was able to claim self-defense. He filed a lawsuit for 500 500 grand in compensation for the false accusations. Tilford Hamilton was not and is not the only person this has happened to. Everyone has their own opinion and suspicions, but in a court of law, judges cannot base convictions off of anything other than the evidence, but in these cases, they are. I'd like to thank everyone for listening once again. Tune in next week for a new case in our wrongful conviction series and let us know what you want to hear next. Wrongful convictions are surprisingly prominent in today's society, and the farther we go back, the more they happen. These convictions put innocent people behind bars and let the real criminals run loose. This is True Crime Intensified with Dallas. Today we have a case coming from Boston, Massachusetts back in 2012 in the small county of Suffolk with just 700,000 people. Topher Hamilton, a 32-year-old Hispanic man, and his girlfriend Jacqueline Grant got into an altercation one day after work. Grant had been suspicious of Hamilton cheating on her with another woman and confronted him. Talking was not enough and Grant grabbed a knife and ran for his abdomen, trying to stab him. He grabbed her arms, trying to push her away until they were wrestling, falling to the ground in a power struggle. Hamilton finally knocked the knife out of Grant's hand, but before they knew it, she was dripping blood from her neck. Hamilton was convicted of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon as well as witness intimidation of his sister-in-law, Fenime Eden Grant, and her daughter Naomi with no forensic evidence present. Hamilton tried to plead self-defense from his abusive girlfriend, but the judge failed to inform the jury of what self-defense is making them only have one option, assault. Self-defense evidence was not able to be presented during court proceedings, giving Hamilton an unfair trial and violating his Sixth Amendment. The witness intimidation charge was so out of the blue, not having any evidence for this to be presented. Hamilton was sentenced to five years in prison and served four out of those five years behind bars, paying the price for a crime he did not commit until 2016. According to Fenime, Grant even went as far as to domestically abuse Hamilton previously. He said, You done beat me last night. You got my face scratched up and you bust my mouth. The evidence was not used in the courtroom. Only Grant's neck wound was. Hamilton had been reported to have a box cutter down at his side when Grant was running at him, but never used it on her. What is interesting is that the box cutter that was reported was never picked up by the police and never to be seen again as well as the knife that Grant had. The whole case was not taken seriously and first responders only aided Grant. Both witnesses had different views of what happened with the box cutter, but both of them said Hamilton did not put it anywhere near her neck. All evidence must be collected from the crime scene and placed into supervision to keep the chain of custody alive, which makes evidence viable and not tampered with. With no DNA taken, no evidence placed into custody, no bodily exams, the evidence was invalidated. Grant repeatedly told Hamilton to hit her, but he kept saying, no, I'm not going to hit you. Hamilton never intimidated her and tried to keep to himself for as long as possible while Grant was pulling at him. We want to also mention Suffolk County's atmosphere. Unfortunately, we all know that racism is a huge problem in the judicial system and has not changed much. In a small town upstate, we tend to see a lot of the same people. Upwards of 60% of the population is Caucasian, which excludes other li- others like Irish and Scottish who are as well white. 
only 1.18% of the population is Hispanic like Hamilton himself. The quote, the judge should have given the jury a lesson on self-defense, was listed in the case description. A judge purposefully decided not to educate the jury on self-defense, which could have saved Hamilton a prison sentence. Why did did the judge leave that information out? Did they have a stereotyped agenda in their mind that had already been made up? What do we do about these judges, juries, and police? How can we stop wrongful convictions at the source? We have 2,705 exonerations since 1989 and counting. This adds up to 24,000 years lost in innocent people's lives. I want all of my listeners to forward, share, or tweet out a link to the podcast. Spread the word. Let the story be known. He is not the only one. But on May 16, 2016, Hamilton was released and the Massachusetts Courts of Appeals remade the court. The witness intimidation charges were dropped for insufficient evidence and the assault and battery charges were brought back up and Hamilton was able to claim self-defense. He filed a lawsuit for 500, 500 grand in compensation for the false accusations. Tilford Hamilton was not and is not the only person this has happened to. Everyone has their own opinion and suspicions, but in a court of law, judges cannot base convictions off of anything other than the evidence, but in these cases, they are. I'd like to thank everyone for listening once again. Tune in next week for a new case in our wrongful conviction series and let us know what you want to hear next. Wrongful convictions are surprisingly prominent in today's society, and the farther we go back, the more they happen. These convictions put innocent people behind bars and let the real criminals run loose. This is True Crime Intensified with Dallas. Today we have a case coming from Boston, Massachusetts back in 2012 in the small county of Suffolk with just 700,000 people. Topher Hamilton, a 32-year-old Hispanic man, and his girlfriend Jacqueline Grant got into an altercation one day after work. Grant had been suspicious of Hamilton cheating on her with another woman and confronted him. Talking was not enough, and Grant grabbed a knife and ran for his abdomen, trying to stab him. He grabbed her arms, trying to push her away until they were wrestling, falling to the ground in a power struggle. Hamilton finally knocked the knife out of Grant's hand, but before they knew it, she was dripping blood from her neck. Hamilton was convicted of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon as well as witness intimidation of his sister-in-law, Fenimay Eden Grant, and her daughter Naomi with no forensic evidence present. Hamilton tried to plead self-defense from his abusive girlfriend, but the judge failed to inform the jury of what self-defense is, making them only have one option, assault. Self-defense evidence was not able to be presented during court proceedings, giving Hamilton an unfair trial and violating his Sixth Amendment. The witness intimidation charge was so out of the blue, not having any evidence for this to be presented. Hamilton was sentenced to five years in prison and served four out of those five years behind bars, paying the price for a crime he did not commit until 2016. According to Fenimay, Grant even went as far as to domestically abuse Hamilton previously. He said, You done beat me last night. You got my face scratched up and you bust my mouth. The evidence was not used in the courtroom. Only Grant's neck wound was. Hamilton had been reported to have a box cutter down at his side when Grant was running at him, but never used it on her. What is interesting is that the box cutter that was reported was never picked up by the police and never to be seen again, as well as the knife that Grant had. The whole case was not taken seriously, and first responders only aided Grant. 
Both witnesses had different views of what happened with the box cutter, but both of them said Hamilton did not put it anywhere near her neck. All evidence must be collected from the crime scene and placed into supervision to keep the chain of custody alive, which makes evidence viable and not tampered with. With no DNA taken, no evidence placed into custody, no bodily exams, the evidence was invalidated. Grant repeatedly told Hamilton to hit her, but he kept saying, no, I'm not going to hit you. Hamilton never intimidated her and tried to keep to himself for as long as possible while Grant was pulling at him. We want to also mention Suffolk County's atmosphere. Unfortunately, we all know that racism is a huge problem in the judicial system and has not changed much. In a small town upstate, we tend to see a lot of the same people. Upwards of 60% of the population is Caucasian, which excludes other like, others like Irish and Scottish who are as well white. Only 1.18% of the population is Hispanic like Hamilton himself. The quote, the judge should have given the jury a lesson on self-defense, was listed in the case description. A judge perfect, purposefully decided not to educate the jury on self-defense, which could have saved Hamilton a prison sentence. Why did she... Did the judge leave that information out? Did they have a stereotyped agenda in their mind that had already been made up? What do we do about these judges, juries, and police? How can we stop wrongful convictions at the source? We have 2,705 exonerations since 1989 and counting. This adds up to 24,000 years lost in innocent people's lives. I want all of my listeners to forward, share, or tweet out a link to the podcast. Spread the word. Let the story be known. He is not the only one. But on May 16, 2016, Hamilton was released and the Massachusetts Courts of Appeals remade the court. The witness intimidation charges were dropped for insufficient evidence and the assault and battery charges were brought back up and Hamilton was able to claim self-defense. He filed a lawsuit for 500, 500 grand in compensation for the false accusations. Tilfer Hamilton was not and is not the only person this has happened to. Everyone has their own opinion and suspicions, but in a court of law, judges cannot base convictions off of anything other than the evidence, but in these cases, they are. I'd like to thank everyone for listening once again. Tune in next week for a new case in our wrongful conviction series and let us know what you want to hear next.